Hey, this is Ron Jossel. You're listening to the Yuck Yucks Comedy Fobcast. Now you can purchase and print your gift certificates online. Just go to yuckyucks.com and click on gift certificates. Be sure to visit us at www.yuckyucks.com. Twitter. Twitter. And follow us on Twitter using hashtag YYCP. What's going on, my little yucky maniacs? This is Jake Hirsch, uh, your host, and welcome to the Yuck Yucks Comedy Podcast. Thank you for joining me. If the audio sounds a little off, uh, it's because I'm doing my intro on the road and I'm recording uh, with one of these uh, Zoom recorders, which I am slowly starting to come around to. Uh, and the reason why I say that is because uh, this last week, um, well, I don't know, maybe I should preface it by saying this. I've done hundreds of podcasts, hundreds, and I can probably only say, uh, I can probably say that only three to four out of those hundreds have ever gone bad or sideways or, or, you know, we had technical problems or, uh, the file got corrupted or, you know, whatever the case is, there's a million reasons as to, you know, what can happen. One, uh, one time I, I just didn't hit record at all. I just, I don't know fucking assumed it was going to record for, I don't know what I was thinking. Um, another time I, uh, it did, the audio didn't pick up or I, I don't know what happened. Uh, I experienced this with, uh, I think it was, uh, Ari Shafir. This happened. Um, we did an entire like half hour, 45 minute podcast and, um, yeah, nothing was ever <laughs> recorded. And I had a similar experience this past weekend and it really bummed me out because I had a really Oh man, I had such a great conversation with uh, the very, uh, very talented, very funny Mr. Greg Fitzsimmons. Greg Fitzsimmons, uh, as you guys know, is a huge name in comedy and a very funny guy. And, uh, you know, of course, started off uh, with, you know, very legendary comedians uh, of our time right now. Uh, you know, roommates with Joe Rogan and started up with like Louis C.K. and Mark Marin and all these guys. Um, Bill Burr. I mean, like, you know, Greg Fitzsimmons has been around for a very long time and just fantastic, fantastic comedian. I had the pleasure of going down and watching his show at the Calgary Yuck Yucks. And uh, I got to, you know, sit down, eat some dinner with him after the show. Uh, and we we chatted. We chatted for a good 45 minutes. And this is one of those times where, <laughs> yeah, I shit the bed. I, sh- I don't know. You know, maybe it was the cheap SD card that I put in. I don't know. I just grabbed an SD card off my desk, and I didn't look at the quality of it or anything like that. Anyway, uh, the file was corrupted, and I was not able to pull any files off of it, and uh, it was just a real bummer. So, uh, unfortunately, I'm I'm just licking my wounds here, and uh, and and uh, you know, I promise to one day again interview. Greg Fitzsimmons and Ari Shafir and actually bring it to you. But if you'd like to see a picture of us, <laughs> if you'd like to see a picture of us together, you can go to my Instagram, Jake Hirsch. Yeah. Oh, dear God. I don't know. I don't know why these things happen, but they do. Lucky enough, though, I've been interviewing a lot of people lately. I, uh, uh, Got a very cool up uh, episode coming up next week with uh, amateur Paul Can. 
uh, a local Calgary amateur, and uh, and we sat down for a great long overdue chat. Uh, but this week we have Darren Frost. Now, if you do not know Darren Frost, uh, you probably do. You just might not know the name. But Darren Frost has been on everything and has done just about everything. Um, very, very funny guy and, and just a super, super talented guy. Um, he's done TV. He's done movies. He's done uh, voiceover work, uh, comedy. He's... Uh, just absolute monster. Um, and I got to sit down with him and we got to bullshit and talk. Uh, and I got to get his advice on a lot of stuff and I got to get some of his opinions and insight on the, you know, landscape of Canadian comedy right now. And this is somebody who has made a conscious decision to stay in Canada and to have a family and to, you know, keep going in this business. And, you know, as you'll hear in the interview, uh, we talk about all those things and, and why he made those choices and, and you know, uh, his thoughts on, on what's wrong and, and how could things can be fixed. And, and I know that, uh, you know, 30 minutes, 40 minutes is scratching the surface, not even, you know, the beginning of what I'm sure a lot of these, uh, you know, artists and, and uh, you know, talented people are trying to say, the message that they're trying to convey. Um, and, you know, also as well, there, you know, is a certain aspect of political correctness that I think people have to, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a very fine line, you know, and I know that I've interviewed a lot of people on this podcast. I know that I have had the opportunity to listen to a lot of conversations that comics have and not everything is savory. Not everything is rosy. There's, you know, criticisms. There are complaints. There are um, valid concerns. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that comedians talk about that, you know, not necessarily does their career wonders. I've had to take and edit out lots of stuff from previous guests in the past. And I know that, as I said, a half an hour, 40 minutes, uh, we're not going to get to everything. We're not going to be able to get down to the deep core of your being and find out, you know, your, uh, gut opinions on every matter in the comedy business, but I'd like to at least scratch the surface if I can for 30, 40 minutes. I mean, if that's all I got, uh, and I have a lot to go over because I'd like to interview people, uh, and find out what they're about, find out where they're from and how they were raised. And, and there's some comedians I talk to where, uh, they've been on the landscape for a long time and maybe they've had uh, numerous interviews or have been on a bunch of podcasts and those questions have already been asked. Um, like I was interviewing, you know, like I said, Greg Fitzsimmons this weekend, and, and I'm sure uh, some of the questions I've asked him uh, have been asked uh, a million times. And, you know, the guy, I think, was he's celebrating his 25th million download uh, on his podcast, Fitzdog, and, uh, and was able to, uh, you, you know, I'm, I mean, like, I don't think there's anything that I'm going to ask that these guys haven't heard before. It's just possibly their opinion at the time or maybe a stage in their career and not all of them are going to be great. So, um, yeah, there are times when I really want to hear people come out and say exactly how they feel about the industry, but I understand why they can't. So when I ask questions about, uh, you know, the ceiling in comedy in Canada and can things be changed and do clubs treat you right? And what's the worst gigs you've had? I mean, I know, that there's certain times people can't say how they feel. 
But at the end of the day, I'd like to at least give them the opportunity to. I understand why they can't. I get it. I completely get that. It's just, man, sometimes political correctness sucks because it's a fine line you got to walk when you're watching out for your career, you're watching out for your paycheck, and, you know, you just, you can't say everything that you want to say. You can't get it all off your chest. But I'm glad that I do get to hear, you know, people's opinions on the state of comedy and what needs to be done and what can be improved and what needs to be better. Because at the end of the day, that's what I want to see. I want to see comedy not only explode in Canada, I I, I want to see it just go as far. I, I want it to be Los Angeles. I want it to be opportunities here in this country that can afford its comedians good opportunities and not have to move away to other places to make money and to live a good life and to provide for your family. Um, I don't know. Maybe I'm a dreamer. Who knows? But at the end of the day, all I know is that everybody I've met in this business has been fucking amazing. And uh, they all deserve not just the best. They deserve better. Because every night they're out there giving it their all. They're, you know, living a life that's not easy. And, you know, I'm on the road right now. I'm not, obviously, I'm not doing comedy. I'm, uh, but I'm working in comedy. I'll say that. And, uh, and I'm on the road. Uh, I've come out to hang out with, with some comedians and, and, you know, go check out a gig that I ended up booking out here. And, uh, I'm really looking forward to spending the weekend with some good friends, some good people and, uh, to, you know, see them work their craft. It's going to be an honor and I can't wait, um, get some interviews in and to talk to some people. And I got some big news coming up as well that I'm going to drop next week on the show because I don't want to drop everything on one show. But yes, uh, we got some cool uh, episodes coming up, some great, great people. Uh, and today, like, as I said, is no different. Darren Frost joins me, and uh, just sitting and talking to this guy is, is just a true honor. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode. Uh, and uh, stay tuned, guys. There's just so much more coming down the pipe. So um, it's, it's, it's just a blast. Anyway, let's go talk to Darren Frost. I'm looking forward to uh, to coming out to uh, Western Canada in the fall and uh, my new tour in the in the new year. I'm pretty excited. I'm ramping things up. That's amazing, man. How often do you get out west uh, to Canada? Uh, not as often as I'd like to being the father of three young boys. I don't tour as much as I used to, but I still try to, you know, keep my toe in at least once a year somewhere out West. And if not a full tour every two years, that's all right. That's all right. Do you have any favorite clubs out in the West or, or people that you like to perform with out here? You know, my answer on that is always the same thing. It doesn't really matter about stage or city. Just give me, you know, a couple hundred people that want to hear my sick thoughts and I'm happy if it's, if it's uh, Grand Prairie versus Toronto, it doesn't really matter to me. <laughs> Do you find like your comedy resonates though, right across the country? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, so bring me back a little bit though, because you grew up in Ontario, right? You're a Brantford guy. 
Yeah, I, I grew up in Brantford, Ontario. Uh, then I moved out. It's kind of like a Bruce Springsteen song. I just couldn't <laughs> wait to get out. And uh, I left Brantford pretty early in my career. And I've lived in Toronto since 95. But I've also spent time in Los Angeles and London, England as well. So I've kind of been around. Wow. And, uh, and, um, and a little bit in Vancouver. A little bit of Van. Wow. Yeah. No kidding. So, so, so tell me, like, how did you get into stand up? Just for the people that uh, are listening that, uh, that, that don't know the full bio of, of Mr. Frost, but how, when did you get into stand up and, and, like, how did all this start for you? Well, it really started when I was probably eight or nine watching a lot of kind of not late night television, but television with stand up comics on it. Right. And that progressed to my early teens where I'd stay up every night and watch Carson and Letterman almost every night religiously and really gravitated towards the standups. And so I always wanted to do stand up from a very early age. And then I kind of made a deal with my parents. Uh, I went to business school. I got a degree and the deal was they helped me with school. And as soon as I graduated, I could do whatever I wanted. So literally I started doing comedy on my final years of university and then became almost like a full-time obsession once I graduated. So I started comedy really in like 1991 and then it was like a full-time passion thing around 9293. Wow, but your parents I've been doing it a long time. <laughs> that sounds like a long time. But your parents were that's pretty that's a pretty normal response. So your parents were like, "Listen, get something in your back pocket that you can fall back on just in case." Yeah, I mean, you know, they were like, we don't know what this stand-up thing really is or if it can be a career. <laughs> right. You know, it might be, it might not. It doesn't matter where you live. You know, your your son or, or daughter may want to be an actor or a musician, but that doesn't mean that you don't want them to do it because it's a, a you know a lifetime of disappointment. <laughs> so uh, my, my parents tried to give me a bigger shield than normal. Let's just say that. Right, right. Do you come from a pretty, pretty big family? Not really. Just two sisters. And me, so it's not that big, you know, an, an average size family with average size dreams and hopes that didn't happen for them. <laughs> so they live all vicariously through you now, right? Yes, yeah, of course. <laughs> Who doesn't? Who, Who doesn't? doesn't? <laughs> through assault clips and death threats and comedy, it's all there. <laughs> well, that's something we're definitely going to get into in the next few minutes here. But, uh, but, uh, so like who was on the scene back then? Like when you first started out, were there people on the scene then that are still doing it the same as you right now? Really? The only still is Chris Quigley, I would say is the only guy who started at exactly around the same time as me, Johnny Guardhouse and a couple other guys started a couple years before me. So they're oh. obviously still doing stand up. But in terms of my generation, it's really only Chris Quigley who still tours across Canada That's and still in comedy. Most people, you know, woke up pretty early, saw the uh, the sadness of the road and uh, and the despair and jumped ship. <laughs> and and when did you decide to have a family and introduce that whole world to the to the wonderful world of uh, comedy? Well, it wasn't really my decision. Uh, I fucked my wife and something came out of her. And now I have to feed it and house it till it's 18 at least. So it wasn't really a decision on my part. You're like, now I'm going to start a family and add even more pressure to my life and my bank account. It just kind of happened. But you've brought them on the road with you at times, right? I've seen pictures. Of yeah, you I bringing, have. I yeah, have. They, they yeah. probably enjoy that, getting to see the country a bit. Yeah, last year I did a big East Coast tour where I drove with the kids and and it you know it worked out. A lot of times when they're really small, it's hard because uh, you know the road is stressful enough. But now I've had a little bit of time and and 
you know, I'm not so worried about it as much. I can be a little more patient on the road. So hopefully this summer coming, I'm going to try to do an Alberta, maybe Vancouver kind of leg where I drive out with them and we'll try to go to all the places like Drumheller and, you know, see Calgary, see see Edmonton and show them that part of the country. I, I mean, I'm a lucky guy in that. Not a lot of comics have a family life that they love. Uh, so that's, you know, I don't try to escape my family. I try to embrace it and bring it with it. So that, that, is, a, that is an odd thing because usually uh, when I go visit uh, comics at the, uh, at the condo here in town, they're usually sitting in their underwear just enjoying life that they have no responsibility for that uh, weekend or that week that they're away from home. Yeah, and I mean, I can I can enjoy that too. I can relate. A nice weekend without any kind of responsibilities. Yeah, it, it's great. But then you know the, the the problem with that is when you go home and there's no one else at home, life can be pretty sad. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so and I, and I don't have I don't have any time. I mean, yeah. I, I I really don't. I've got three boys to raise. You know, my wife works full time. I'm the stay at home dad when I'm not on the road or doing right. cartoons. So there, there's not a lot of time for bullshit. So yeah. let's get in, do the shows, get out. And I mean. Even before I had kids, that was kind of always my my uh, badge of like no bullshit, right? No BS. Just let's get this shit done, and, and that's it. Yeah, definitely, definitely. How how important is that though? Like, because there's a lot of people that listen to the show that are young comedians, people that are just starting out and stuff like that. Uh, they don't necessarily treat it. And I'm not saying that, that you treat it, you know, all the time like a business. I mean, I know you have fun on the road and, you know, you, you do things that, you know, other comedians sure. do and everything. But, I mean, how important is that for you to treat this profession like a business? And when when did that turn from you? Like, at, at some well, point, it, it obviously. Always, it always was that for me because I don't, I, know, I don't really drink and I've never done a single drug in my entire life. Right. Even though most people think I'm some kind of coke monkey when they see my act. <laughs> Uh, that's not the case. Right. I've always treated it like a business. And I, and I say this to every young comic or any person who's a comedy fan, who's interested in that side of the comedy world, mm-hmm. the hustle never changes. It doesn't matter if you're two years in and you're trying to get off amateur night and get people to see you and maybe book your first festival. If you think that hustle changes 25 years in, it doesn't right. because now you're fighting, you know, 25 more years of people getting in the game. So you're just hundreds and hundreds of more comics all the time. So for you either to stand out or to pay your rent or to get things done, you've got to have hustle. And if you don't treat it like a business, then you probably won't last that long in it. Right. Uh, And I think that's also another reason why there's not that many people in it anymore from my generation. I think the generation before us really relied on the business to kind of make things happen for them. Right. And, after my generation, I think most comics realize, no, no, you've got to make your own path. Uh, and if you don't, it's not going to be a very long path or a very rewarding path, not just financially, but even just for your own um, sense of uh, worth, worthness and, sure. and having the wherewithal to stay in. Well, you're you're it's it's funny because like you're one of the you're one of the very few comics who have really made it things work here in Canada as far as taking things to a different level of success. I mean, there is that ceiling that a lot of comedians talk about uh, in Canada, where at some point they do have to move to a larger market like Los Angeles or New York or, or wherever. Sure. Yeah, you know, wherever comedy is really really you know coming up with opportunity. But you are a very diversified guy. You do acting, you do voiceover work, uh, you know, you right. go on tour and stuff like that. That's also a really important part of this business is is being able to do a little bit of everything and make yourself valuable in that sense as well 
I think that one of the biggest problems all comics have is they're not very self-aware. Right. And and I think if you're not self-aware and you can't be honest with yourself, then you're in trouble. No matter, I mean, that that's a life skill. That's not just applied to comedy. That's sure. life. If you're not a very self-aware person, you're probably not going to have much success. Right. I'm not stupid. I know my act is a cult act at best. It's not going to be something that's going to be for everyone. It's only for those who love it. Sure, they're going to love it a lot. But I know that, so I have to do other things, and I think all comics do, if you really love stand-up comedy, to keep going in it. Right. So when I do an acting gig or a cartoon gig, don't get me wrong, I love doing it, and I'm very happy, and, and that's very rewarding. But everything I do outside of stand-up funds my ability to do stand-up. Right. And so I know that. So I – be on my best behavior on those other gigs and try to stay in that world and keep my foot in it. Because if that can pay me even six months for a gig on a cartoon, that's six months. I don't have to worry about doing gigs. I don't want to do. Right. And as you get older, the ability to say no has to increase because there's just gigs you don't want to do. Right. You can sure you can go in a hammer fight and heckle fight and feel like you're, you're great. But believe me, that gets very tiring very quickly. You want to try to put yourself in as many positions and shows where you feel good about yourself. And that's not always the case in stand-up. Sometimes you have to do it for, you know, to pay your rent or make an agent happier or whatever the answer is yeah. or reason. So that's why I try to be very self-aware. And that leads to me to you know, also doing this other stuff. You, you've also been very outspoken. I mean, one of the one of the the blog posts that I had uh, read, I think it was a couple years back. It was about how Americans don't have a problem asking for certain things, and I, I think uh, one of the quotes in there was, uh, "In my business, there is a sense that you should just be happy with what you get, and if you want more than you are, uh, just the same as those fucking Americans." Listen to countless Canadian comics who have to move to the states, and they all say the same thing. If we have had the same success in America as Canada, then we'd be having our own TV show or playing large theaters. How 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 important is that for Canadians to know that they are they've got talent? They, I look across some of this country and I'm just like, wow, uh, we've got some of the best Canadian comics in the world. Like I have no doubt in my mind that some of the talent here is the best in the world. Uh, but it's been ingrained in their psyche at some point <laughs> in their career that one, there's no money in comedy, and two, you don't ever ask for more than what you think that you're worth. And and I think right. people have a real issue with that. It's it's a weird thing that they devalue themselves. Yes, and you know it's years of agents and and the business, not just agents, but the business telling you that every facet like you can concentrate on one person or, or, or one entity and say they did x y and z right. but if you really really are self-aware enough and honest with yourself it's the whole business that's programmed that way it's not just one person or one entity right. it's the whole business so uh, uh, you know it's it's hard because I, I wish i could say it's different but you know there's guys like jerry d's a very good example right you know a lot of comics feathers feathers are a bit ruffled when jerry first started because jerry had the the balls and the, the, the ability to say this is what I want and this is how I'm going to get it and I'm going to go and get it. And some elitist comics, and probably even me in the very beginning, were a little bit jealous of that. I can be honest about that right. and saying, was Jerry good enough to ask for that? I didn't think he did. He was, but right. you know what? He was. Right. And that was a lesson that I had to learn. And it's like, you know what? Guys like Jerry are just asking what he thinks he deserves and he's getting it. Right. And it's, we should all be doing that but we all don't because, you know, you'll always find – because the idea is there will always be someone who will drive 12 or 14 hours for $200, 
because it's exciting and it's fun and this is a business, man. You're a comic. Right. Well, you know what? I'm not 21. I don't eat hot dogs every day. I don't want to eat hot dogs every day. <laughs> so at some point, you have to ask for what you're worth. Right. Right. And, you know, we've all been there where you walk into a show and it's, you know, 800 people and you're making nowhere near the money you should be making. And you start going to yourself, well, how come these guys like Jerry are making the money? Because right. they're asking for it. And right. if you don't ask for it, you're never going to get it. And that also includes upsetting people on the other side of the equation because they're going to say, well, if I want Darren Frost, I've got to pay X for it. Right. And that's it. And you've got to be able to stick to your guns. If you don't stick to your guns. It ain't going to happen. Right, right. And most people think I'm very outspoken, but, you know, I look at myself as a realist. Am I bitter? For sure I am, but I own my bitterness. But I'm also a realist to know that this is how it works, and it's not going to change unless more people say it should change. Right, right. Do you ever get tired of the hustle? I mean, I know you've been doing this for a very, very long time. You're very successful. I mean, you've had, uh, you know, amazing uh, uh, reviews that obviously, you know, you've been back to the Just for Laughs Comedy Festival in Montreal more times than any other performer. Uh, you've, you've, you've obviously had. Well, actually, that's not true. I've only, I've in one in one year I did the most shows. Of any oh, the most. Okay. At that time, gotcha. Yeah, I've been there the most. That's actually Mike McDonald, who's Canadian. McDonald, um, that's what it was. But All yeah, right. I have done the fest. Uh, in terms of, am I tired? Do I get tired? Sure you do. You know, energy is a, is a motherfucker in this business. Mm -hmm. And that's why when people say it's a young person's game or young man's game, uh, it's because of energy. Right. You know, like I said, the hustle doesn't change. How long can you keep that hustle going? Right. Right. Well, you can only keep it going for so long. Trust me. I'm 45 and I've kept it going a long time for 25 years. But for the last year, two years, I haven't hustled as much as I has in the first 22, 23 years. Because life takes over and energy and health and the business is all it's all a bunch of moving parts. And sometimes they all click together and sometimes they don't. But I know that I'll get the hustle again. Like I'm ramping up for this tour. My hustle's back on. I'm getting press releases ready, a tour poster ready. So, you know, I'm planning all this stuff correctly and it'll eventually will come back. That's amazing, man. Um, you're touring. Uh, this upcoming tour, let's talk about that. Uh, sure. Tell me a bit about it and who's on the show, who can people expect to see, and uh, where are all the places you guys are going to go? So it's the tour that I'm doing. I do kind of two separate tours. I do one on my own, and then I do one. Uh, it's a special specialty show called Rank and Vile with uh, Kenny Robinson. Right. So if people don't know who Kenny Robinson is, uh, that's sad right there. You if you're your a comedy fan. But, exactly. <laughs> but um, if you don't, I understand. Kenny Robinson is considered by most comics in this country one of the godfathers of comedy. He's definitely the godfather of dirty comedy in this, in this country, bar none. He's been doing stand-up for over 30 years. He's done everything you possibly can do in this country, including have his own show on the Comedy Network. So dirty, uh, he's a super dirty comic. I'm a super dirty comic. And I just felt that, you know, to add value to a show and a bit of a hook because marketing is important in this business. Sure. I approached Kenny about five years ago and said, Kenny, we should start doing like really big, dirty shows. Right. I can bring my fans to the table. You can bring your fans to the table. And, and if someone's neither our fans or at least know us, if they come to the show, they're definitely going to find something they like. Whether they, they don't really dig what I do, they'll dig what you do or, or vice versa. So we started doing it about five years ago to a lot of success. And now I kind of run it 
about half and half with my own tours. So me and Kenny do a lot of just kind of like weekend warrior stuff where we'll get together for a weekend, do some shows, and then separate and go on our, our own way. Right. So in November, we're going to be in uh, Victoria uh, at the Yuck Yucks and in Abbotsford at the Yuck Yucks the following week. So that's the first two weeks of November. And I'm looking forward to that because they're both two brand new clubs. And me and Kenny have had a lot of success in the West Coast in that area. And hopefully sometime next year we'll be getting back to uh, Calgary and Edmonton because we've also done very well there. So, I mean, that's kind of what's going on there. And then I have my own tour called Career Suicide that's starting in January. And I'm hoping to tape a new CD and releasing it by February or March. So that's kind of what's happening for me in the next six months. And in between all that, I have cartoon voices that I do and some acting gigs. So, you know, hopefully that'll pan out as well. That's amazing, man. Do the kids get tripped out when they uh, watch cartoons and hear their dad on there? You know, it's the funniest thing. I could be on the biggest cartoon and I am on one right now called Camp Lake Bottom. It's huge in their demographic. They could care less. They don't watch it. (laughs) If I'm not a guy on YouTube playing a video game and commenting on it, they don't care. They don't watch <laughs> traditional television. It's the way the kids are. It's it's the weirdest thing. But no, once in a while they watch a show and they go, "Is that you?" And I'm like, "Yeah, that's me." That's about it. <laughs> that's about it. You know, speaking of uh, some of the work that that uh, obviously the form that that you know comics like you and Kenny Robinson perform in that arena. Uh, some people say it's a real risk uh, with a career to do you know dirty content and and you know X X rated shows and stuff like that. Uh, uh, for you though, I mean, that's part of who you are. Like that's part of just being, you know, yourself. Is that an important thing to you? Or like, cause I hear, you know, obviously I haven't been in this business a very long time, but from what I've heard, a lot of people come out with this idea that, Hey, you've got to be clean. You got to be clean. You got to do corporates. You got to be able to make a living doing that type of stuff. Uh, but you've stayed pretty true to your craft and, and to who you are. How important has that been to you? Well, I think it, that's what a career is based on. Um, I think in the very beginning, I tried to be a little cleaner. And I think what's really a wrong thing to do is to tr- be something you're not. And nothing drives me crazier than watching a dirty comic clean it up right. versus a clean comic dirty it up. Right. It's like I don't want to see either of that. You know, yeah. you should really be what you are. Mm-hmm. And that's it. Mm-hmm. And let the other stuff take care, of, take care of itself. Now, that doesn't mean you can be an asshole off stage and just go, look, I'm a dirty comic and that's just me, blah, blah, blah. You know, no. You got to handle yourself a certain way off stage versus on stage. But when it comes specifically just to on stage, if you want to be able to stay in this business, you better do you mm-hmm. or what you really want to do. Because even when you're bombing in Saskatoon right. – and you're hating your life, and you're going back to a hotel room where you have to wear your clothes to sleep on top of the sheets because it's been a, a DNA wand would light up like a fucking rainbow. I'll tell you what's worse than that. Doing that, doing an act you don't care about. Right, right. Okay? And so to stay in this... Yeah, yeah, as a dirty comic, yes, there's some negatives to it. Look, I've been fired for because of my comedy in the acting world. Right. I've been fired in the lecture world because of my comedy. So obviously it's important to me or I would change and be happy, clappy, fun boy. Right. But I'm not, I'm not willing to be that. And the only problem is, is that for everyone that's Darren Frost, dirty comic, there has to be a Jerry D clean comic or whoever you want to use as a John Wing, whoever, sure. who are great at what they do. 
But that's the whole point of variety. I don't want a world of those kind of comics, and I don't want a world of comics just like me. So it's like the it's like movies. Nobody ever complains about Quentin Tarantino and his horrible movies, you know, uh, saying they shouldn't be made. Right. And the people that do are wrong and they're fucking crazy. Right. People want them, and I also want to watch a, a kids movie with my kid. Yeah. That's the whole point of entertainment. And I wish Canada would be a little more proactive like America because in America they embrace controversy and this kind of material. In Canada, they don't. Right. As much as Just for Laughs wants to say that they've shined a light on comedy at all these big festivals, none of them have really shined a light on dirty comedy in this country. But you compare it to America, namely 10 of the major comics, and I will tell you 30 to 40% of them are dirty comics. Right, right. Bill Burris would be considered a dirty comic because of his thoughts and language. Doug Stanhope would be. Louis C.K. would be. Sure, sure. Uh, Amy Schumer would be. Sarah Silverman would be. Right. I mean, these are all the big American acts that they em- that are embrace. Dirty. Yeah. And embraced in this country by these festival people. Yeah. But they're not embraced in this country. They all have to move. Thing. Like Rose, Rose had to move to L.A. Berg had to move to New York. Mm-hmm. I'm here because I have a family. These are the guys who don't have family, so they can tour. Right. Kenny's here because of a family. There's dirty comics here. Derek's again mm-hmm. out of Montreal. Families trying to stay in Canada because when you have a family, you want to live in one of the greatest countries in the world. You don't want to live in America. Right. Right. Yeah, speaking of controversy, and, and I don't want to beleaguer this point because I know that you've been interviewed countless times about it. Uh, the Mike, sure. the the Mike Ward case. Um, yeah. Uh, speaking of of you know controversial things and outspoken things, what was your you know I've I've read it, I've read the interviews and stuff like that, and and I I really uh, for myself respect your opinion on it. Uh, why don't you tell the listeners like. What do you consider off limits? What do you consider uh, you know someone putting a rap on on free speech? Well, first of all, I don't think anything is off limits. Off limits. I do not believe in too soon. I, I don't. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just not a, a term that even enters my head when I do any kind of comedy because my intent is to be funny. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and if anyone's listening to this, they really should go and check out Patrice O'Neill has a whole discussion on Fox News about the idea of intent and really put some people in their place. And it's a very good uh, thing to go and listen to. Mm-hmm. But outside of that, the whole Mike Ward thing is simple. Uh, I think any joke should be is should be allowed to be said. Mm-hmm. I just don't know if, if it should be said. Right. And what I mean by that is I can't tell Mike Ward what he should and shouldn't say because Mike Ward has to be the one who has the the, the um, repercussions for saying it. Right. So if he's okay with saying it, knowing that he might hurt the the victim or the people or someone might get upset, then he has the right to say it. I saw the joke. Now, there's, there's two different levels to that joke. There's one that's circulating that's not as bad as the other, and it's really important that before you make a real decision on it that you go and find out the, you know, the, the darker, deeper joke. Uh, I thought the joke was fair. Right. Um, I didn't have a problem with it. And to be honest, Mike Ward is a huge success in, in Quebec. Right. And the byproduct of this controversy has now made him a big star in English Canada. Right. And that $40,000 that that cost him is peanuts in the free press that he got out of this. 
and the light that was shined on his career because before this, he was pretty much – I don't want to talk about him, but he was a nobody in English Canada, right. was a massive star in Quebec. Sure. Now he's going to be a much bigger star and a known entity in, uh, in Canada than any of the guys I just mentioned to you that are dirty comics, and now he can run with this, and good for him, mm-hmm. and fill clubs and fill theaters and make money. So my attitude is I want this kind of press, so I'm trolling all the Make-A-Wish Foundation websites, and I'm going to find me a kid to make fun of. And the second I find a kid that's got an iron lung that wants to swim with dolphins, get my JFL gallow ready. That's what I say. <laughs> I love it, man. I love it. Oh, my God. Uh- <laughs> but, I mean, he, he has the right to say whatever he wants. Should he? That's up to him. Right. And, you know, that's no different than any joke. If you want to be a lame hack comic and you can sleep at night, you know, good for you. Right. right. I'm fine with that. You want to be a squeaky clean comic and never upset anyone and you can sleep at night? Okay, fine. Yeah. Because that's what it's about. Right. Especially in this business when you've been in for a while. If you want to keep doing what you do and stay in it, then, then you know, respect for you. Um because it's not it's not an easy way uh, through this business. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, coming up here, this rank and vile uh, with Kenny Robinson. Uh, you know, Kenny's name has also been very synonymous with giving people a hand up in comedy. Uh, I've yes. talked to a lot of comics that have said, uh, you know, you've helped them out, you've given great advice. Uh, yep. Was there anybody there for you when you were coming up that kind of took you under their wings, so to speak? Uh, not, believe it or not, not really to the level that Kenny has helped people or I have helped people right. to that extent. And I'm not patting myself on the back. See, what I do is when I see a young comic that I think is hilarious and nobody's shining light on them, I do gravitate towards them because I remember what, what it was like for me. Right. So, and I'm, and I'm not the only person who helped these people out. Don't get me wrong. You know, when I first saw Bobby Mayer bombing in an open mic in Toronto with some of the funniest stuff I've ever seen. Second he got off stage, I went and talked to him, asked him what I could do to help him, and I tried to help him. Same thing with, you know, Kathleen McGee. When I first saw her coming out to shows and really supporting and then doing sets, I tried to help her out as much as I could. And there were other comics that did it as well. Um, But when it comes to Kenny, no one has helped comics like Kenny Robinson has. Whether it's, you know, one-on-one mentorship or, you know, on the road with him or even the show that he does called The Nubian Disciples of Prior in Toronto where multiple black comics got their start or urban comics, whatever word you want to use, got their start and a spotlight using that stage. So Kenny is, you know, that's another reason why Kenny is probably one of the most regarded comics in our country, uh, very highly regarded. He's also a comic that, you know, walks the walk and talks the talk. Mm -hmm. If he doesn't like something, he's not afraid to say it. And he's also a guy that writes more new material than any other headliner in this country. And that's also has to be said. Um, It's it's, it's easy to say, like everyone's all excited about this. Louis C.K. every year or two years writes a new hour. That's been going on for decades. Even Louis C.K. doesn't say that he invented that. I mean, that went back to George Carlin and happened even before George Carlin. Right. But there are guys in this country that have done it on a consistent basis, which the industry refuses to shine a light onto, and you know that's whatever that is. And Kenny's one of those guys, so that's why comics, a lot of them, have a soft spot for Kenny and coming and seeing him because of that. 
That's amazing stuff, man. And and I've heard the very same thing as far as uh, reputation wise uh, for both of you. And and uh, hey, Darren, it's been an absolute honor having you on the show. Uh, people can find out more on your website, DarrenFrost.com. Of course, you're on yes. Twitter at Comedy Horror yep. and uh, Facebook. And just page. one other thing to say, sure. if I could. And if anyone's interested, I'm the uh, first uh, Canadian comic for sure and first world comic to my knowledge that has an online box set which you can download with over 30 to 40 hours of comedy material for only $20 at ComedyHorrorStore.com. I love that. Go there. Yeah. And no other comedian has ever done that before. And uh, I only have a bragging rights for so long because I'm sure someone else is going to do it. But that's if someone's interested, it's only 20 bucks. You get all four of my full-length DVDs, my bootleg CDs, episodes of my XM show. It's a huge package, documentaries about me, everything. It's too much material for one person, but it's only 20 bucks. That's an amazing deal. And uh, the, the, there's, I believe there's over 20 hours of, of content there for 20 yes, bucks. Yes. That's unbelievable, yeah. man. Check it out, folks. Uh, yeah, go to the horror store. Go to Darren's website, DarrenFrost.com. Uh, Darren, looking forward to seeing you perform out in the West, my friend. And uh, Thanks, Jake. Thank you so much for the time. I appreciate, appreciate it. Appreciate it. All right. Okay, thanks, Bye-bye. Jake. You bet. Cheers. Bye-bye. All right, folks, and there you have it, the interview with Mr. Darren Frost. What did I tell you? Great guy, hilarious comedian, very talented, and uh, a real honor to sit down and talk to him. Um, hey, stay tuned. There's so many killer episodes coming up. Again, next week we've got uh, local amateur comedian Paul Can joining us, uh, and we've also got some killer, killer episodes. I'm telling you right now, the interviews I'm getting are, are just incredible. Uh, apologies again for not getting Fitz Dog on the show. It just didn't happen with the Sam Reporter. Anyway, it was a great time hanging out with him and, and BSing. Uh, hey, on behalf of uh, the entire crew of Yuck Yucks, Mr. Mark Resnick, executive producer Kira Williams, our webmaster Camille Argue, and of course her wonderful husband, Lane Argue. Uh, you can check him out. He is the uh, artist that lays down all the wonderful acoustic tracks for this podcast. Check him out. Lane Argue. Guitar, I believe it is, .com. Check it out in the description. The link is there. Stay tuned, <laughs> Stay tuned guys. Uh, we're, we're coming back in the next uh, little while here with some Dynamite episodes. Until then, we'll see you next week.